0: Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersena from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center.
1: Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal, and I have to say... We only have a couple more weeks left, and I don't know where the time is going. It's like being with a bunch of friends, and the time just goes by. So if you have any gardening questions, we only have a few weeks left to go, so the lines will be open at one 800 374 And we're into fall. It's in the time where we see a lot of things. Yeah, we call it falling. The pumpkins are ripe and oh, the beauty of the color that you see with pumpkins on staircases and welcoming and in planters. I've enjoyed seeing them and it brings a little smile to me and also to my granddaughters when we do our walks. It's cute to see. Fall is crispy. We've got that frost that's happening. Someone actually told me last uh, week, they got to me a little bit later on the show and and said South St. Patel actually had some frost. So yes, the frost is there and we are deep into October. So it is an October poem. So please listen. October. I oft have met her slowly wandering beside a leafy stream her locks blown wild, her cheeks a hectic flush, more fair than spring. As if on her sumac corpse she smiled, or I have seen her sitting, tall and brown, her gentle eyes with foolish weeping dim, beneath a twisted oak from whose red leaves she wound great drowsy wreaths and eased them down, the west wind in her hair that made it swim, far out behind, deep deep, "'as the rustling sheaves. "'Or in the hill-lands I have often seen "'the marvel of her passing, "'glimpses fate of glimmering woods "'that glance the hills between, "'like Indian faces fierce with forest-paint. "'Or have I met her twixt the and hills "'within a dingling valley near a fall, "'held her in nut-brown one-hand cardinal flower?' or waited deeply where the leaf-damned rills went babbling through the wildwood's erased hall, where burned the beech and the maples glared their power? Or have I met her by some ruined mill, where trailed the crimson creeper serpentined on fallen leaves that stirred and rustled chill, and watched her swinging in the wild grapevine, while beauty, sad among the vales and mountains, "'more sad than death, or in all the death can teach, "'dreamed of decay and stretching appealing arms, "'where splashed the murmur of the forest fountains. "'With all her loveliness did she beseech, "'and all the sorrow of her wildwood charms. "'Once, only in a hollow, girt with trees, "'a dream amid asters filled with rain, "'I glimpsed her cheeks red berry by the breeze, "'in her eyes the night's sidereal stain.' And once upon an orchard's tangled path where all the goldenrod had turned to brown, where russets rolled and leaves were sweet with breath, I have beheld her amid the aftermath of blossoming stands, in her gypsy gown, within her gaze the deeps of life and death. Like I said, we're almost all the way through October, and it's going to be a little bit of a beautiful next week, I think. They're looking at some double digits digit, double digits up ahead, and it is the opportunity where we still see the glory of our gardens that are in there. So what we are is, I'm going to put it out there to you, fall, October. What does your fall look like to you? And as we say that, we as gardeners, we see our flowers that are faded. Yeah. Except for maybe some of those mums that are out there that look beautiful in these cool temperatures. I even see some geraniums still cresting. And I also say, yeah, I have to admit, I still have two tomato plants that are in my garden that are potentially going to have some tomatoes pulled off them this afternoon. And We also see when we're walking through our gardens, as we're doing our tasks, we see spaces for growth. We see opportunity to plant differently, possibly new plants, dividing plants, giving plants new life, new energy, new colors. We also see tasks that were welcoming and fun and rewarding that are now coming to an end. Those are potential dreams for new things and looking at the next year to see what we can do. You also are seeing October as a time of rest from the garden. Like our plants, we're taking a rest after a long and hot, hot summer. It's time for a break. And a break from watering. Yes, maybe so. But remember, if you can still put some moisture on your trees and shrubs, it's important. Children see it as being with friends, back to school. And in autumn, I hear the children's voices when they're coming to pick up their pumpkins about being out for Halloween. So yes, the pumpkins play a factor that's in there. So I hope your bounty of pumpkins was good. Or, as you may see it, it is the beauty of geese gathering. It's the sound of working in our gardens and seeing this massive grouping starting to get organized. And I must say... How do they fly in such big masses without bumping into each other? And it's the leadership and it's the friends. It's always the leader that leads them on their way. There's always someone in the garden that's going to guide you to help you. And when you don't have success with it, you step behind and your group behind you is going to support you and help you. Hey, that sounds like the London Garden Journal. We're all here to help each other. And the fun of watching the squirrels that are gathering and burrowing the pine cones. Oh, what fun it is to hear them chatter and scurry. Yes, Ruby says, yeah, yeah, where are those? They're in the trees, my dear. They're hunting and scattering and doing that. But please stay away from my bulbs. It is the time where we can start doing different things in the garden. And it's the time that we're looking at it, maybe sad that, our time is coming to an end out there, but just think, there's so much more to do, because our gardens are going from the outdoors, indoors, so now we have to look after those plants that are indoors, and keeping the greenery alive, and keeping us motivated. We're going to go right to the lines, Lynn is waiting. Hi Hello. Lynn. Hi. Hi, where are you calling from? Winnipeg. Well, good morning Winnipeg. How can we help you this morning on the Lawn Garden Journal?
2: Okay, um, we might have to get some foundation work done, and that's where my perennials are stashed. And in the off chance that this work happens early in the spring, I'm wondering what the best thing I can do uh, to put them somewhere else in the meantime.
1: Okay, so how are are they going to be... Okay, if you dig them up now... Mm -hmm. Is there opportunity that you can put them in a different area of the garden?
2: Yeah, we do have um, a small bed beside the garage, which won't involve any construction. Um, Somebody had suggested if I put them in pots and then dug them into the ground um, there, but I just want to get another opinion.
1: (laughs) No, um, whoever gave you that advice, that is something that we do frequently. So, yes, um, if you can dig them up. And basically, you're going to pot them. Make sure that when you lift them, you're going to get some additional soil so that there's no void spaces in the pots that you're putting them into. Okay. Uh, maybe put a little bit of bone meal in there too as well when you're repotting them. Okay. But the same thing is what you want to do is dig a hole and sink it so that the depth of that pot goes into the ground. Okay. And if it stays dry like it is maybe next week in that, you'll want to make sure that like all the other perennials and trees and shrubs that we have in our gardens are locked in with water on them because that moisture is almost like creating this ice cube around the roots. It's right. actually a huge insulating factor for them. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank Good you. Good advice. Thanks okay. a lot. <laughs> okay. Bye. You're very welcome. And these are the times because in some occasions I used to do it uh, too as well because I loved having big hosta containers at my front entrance that was in there. So I would take hosta plants Because you know if you buy a one-year plant, you don't get that big kaboom wow factor that's on it. So lifting it and putting them in the garden, you're dropping them in. You're making sure that by adding the bone meal, you're kind of setting that root system to say, yeah, I know I disturbed you, but here's a little bit of feed for you. And then that nutrient will become available in the spring. And the other thing too, Lynn, it's kind of easy because in the spring when the ground is thawing, those black pots are just like ice cubes in a tray. They kind of go like a click and out the pots come. And they will actually warm up faster than the plants that are left in the ground. So once you're ready to get them growing a little bit, I would lift them up. And at that point, you're going to water them and fertilize them next year. 2022 is when you're going to be growing that. So that's exciting. New foundation work and a, a chance to do some new plantings. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to go right back to the lines. Vicky is waiting. Hi. Good morning, Vicki. Hi. Hi. Where uh, are you calling from? I'm calling from Dauphin. Wow, Dauphin. Well, hello. How's the weather up there? It's cool. Oh, <laughs> <have> you, <laughs> it's cool. I, you ha- you, have, you have you've had frost, I can say. Uh, we just had frost the other day. Okay, but no frost the other day, but no snow, no snow. Okay, no. So yesterday I was out and about on a call, and they had said that there may be a chance of snow, but we got a little bit of rain, and I was like, "Oh, thank goodness!
2: <laughs> no rain, no snow."
1: Okay, how can we help you on the Lana Garden Journal? Okay, I've got a Honeycrisp apple tree. Okay, and it's
2: about four or five years old. And I have not had a good apple out of it. They're always wormy. And that tree does not lose its leaves. Oh, really? That's they... great. Right.
1: Okay, so it and doesn't time,
2: I, I take them up to get the new leaves on.
1: Yeah, sometimes that happens. Um good morning mum. It's happened to Mum a few times too as well on her apple trees. But sometimes some trees just hang on to them and it depends on the weather that's on it. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to go through to my uh, investigating to see if it's... Because some apple trees, uh, like September Ruby, are very late apples. I can't remember if Honeycrisp is a later apple too. So that may sometimes affect the leaf still going. The apples are nice,
2: but I haven't had a good apple yet. It's always for me.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to suggest that, uh, A, uh, make sure when you have any apples that drop to the ground make sure they're cleaned up like yeah we do that too- yeah. okay and the other thing that you can do is uh to prevent any overwintering bugs in that on the bark and that around the tree you can apply some dormant or lime sulfur to it after basically you usually apply it when the leaves have fallen off but in your case when the leaves kind of go crisp you could probably apply it
2: but, but the, the most the leaves don't even go crisp they are you stick on this is why i can't put the dormant oil because there's
1: The tree is full of leaves. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So that avoid the dormant oil, but in the spring, there's apple maggot traps that you can get. So the apple maggot traps are like these red balls that you put tanglefoot or sticky paste on it, but they have to be hung below the leaf structures. Okay? And the reason why you're doing it below all the leaves is the moths are going down into the ground, and as they uh, lay their eggs now down there... The new ones are going to fly up towards the new blossoming plants. And What, what want, did you say? Put down apple what? It's called an apple maggot trap. Apple maggot crap. T-trap. Trap. Trap. <laughs> trap. Well, it could be the other term, but it's trap. T-R-A-P. Yeah, That's okay, on I'll it. Yeah. The worms in the apple is the other word. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you
2: okay. hang it on a tree.
1: You hang it on the tree, but the thing is, you have to hang it uh, just below at the, the point leaf. below the leaves, but as the flowers off the blossoms fall, mm-hmm. and sometimes I like to see it a little bit events there, because sometimes some people go, well, if I put it when the, the flower blossoms are falling, I'm going to get a whole bunch of blossoms all over the sticky trap. Well, just apply more uh, of the sticky stuff over top of it, and your flies... The apple maggots are going to come up into, they fly from the ground upwards. And as soon as they see these uh, balls, they're going to get a population of them attracted to the red ball. You're, and it might be a couple cycles that you get that you have to break. Because in life, it's a cycle that goes all the way around. So you have to break that cycle. So, so where do I buy this? You can find it at any garden center. Any so garden you, center? I've never yeah, so. You've never seen them?
2: I've never seen it, no. Yeah,
1: it comes, it usually, it calls it an apple maggot kit. You usually get two orbs in a box, and then you have to buy the sticky paste, which is like a tangle. Oh, you uh, haven't put sticky paste yet? Yeah, you got to put sticky paste on top of it, okay? Sticky paste, and I buy the sticky paste at the garden center. Y- yes, they should have it. It's either called tangle foot or sticky toes. Sticky toe. <laughs> sticky toe, Yeah, you know why? Because when the bugs go in it, they're sticky toes. They're not going anywhere because they're just stuck right there.
2: Because I'm, I'm ready to cut that tree down because the apples well, are me in that city. I haven't yeah. used one good apple out of it. The apples yeah, are well, there.
1: Yeah, just try, the, try breaking that cycle. And I know that it's happened because I, it's happened to my mum's apples too where it's kind of one year it's really, really bad that's on it. and And then as we treat it, you have to go through, but it's diligent. I used to laugh, you know, uh, they would call, mom and dad would call me and say, oh, three apples fell, we got to go. <laughs> so they're always, always cleaning up whatever falls on the
2: ground. Okay. About, about these leaves not falling off. I try to take them off at springtime. Is that a good idea or no, just leave you, them on?
1: You can knock them off if you want to, uh, or naturally if a new set that's kind of, Uh, be on there, it's going to eventually fall off because there's a uh, product that's in it called abscisic acid, which breaks the growth between the branch and the leaf. And the tree internally says, I'm not going to give the leaves any more energy and it cuts, it actually seals that connection, connecting tissue from the branch to the leaf. That's what causes the uh, leaf to drop or abort off the, the leaf structure. So there might be a little bit of a not-so-much-as-a-drop there. But I, I've i seen people out there in the spring going, these leaves are still on here, but they're not super soft. They're kind of still crisp, so they're knocking the leaves off. Okay? I've
2: always knocked them off.
1: Eh? So. Yeah. Okay, just don't, I will just... give this a try and okay. see if it works for next year. Okay, awesome. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. You know, it is that thing. Just remember, if we're knocking the branches and the leaf structures are already in there, just be careful and cautious not to break open branches because as we open branches, uh, it's creating a wound. And uh, small wounds... You know, the size of a pinky finger or the size of your thumb. You can prune those off. Uh, they will self heal themselves that but what you want to avoid is when you break a branch and you cause the tear of the cambium down the branches that opens up this like this huge rip portion that's on it. But if it does happen there are measures that you can do to uh improve that. So let's go right to the lines. Katerina is there. Hello, Katerina.
0: Hi. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm good. Love your show. Um, Oh, thank you. And I'm calling from Oklawa. So I have been uh, doing a lot of garden renovations over the last number of years, and I've always wanted a clematis. So this uh, spring I planted a clematis. Now, how do I winterize
1: it? Okay, clematis. Okay, so when you have clematis, I'm just going to sort of open the scenario. Clematis is a type of plant Uh, vining, or there are some new bush varieties that will go about two or three feet tall that's on there. So is yours a bush type or is it climbing?
0: It's climbing. I planted it against the chain link fence.
1: Oh, beautiful. Okay. So what you can do is some, uh, clematis grow off of old wood and some grow off of new wood. Not knowing Mm -hmm. which one you have, I would recommend leaving the vining. Don't do any trimming back. Okay. you can definitely tell next year after you see the emergence of some of the leaf growth coming off of those thin vines where mm-hmm. it stops and where it starts. Okay? okay? How old is how old is it? You said you just got it last year?
0: I just got it this spring.
1: This spring. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't yeah. do any pruning until you Do you know which kind it is? Uh yeah, actually I am working on that kind of stuff
0: this morning and Is is um, it a Jack Manny? Just give me one second here going to the spot (laughs) oh good um it's a vancouver morning mist okay um and what does it say on the back it says
1: where would i find that you know what clematis on it tells you whether it's in a pruning group there's different types of pruning groups so it'll say pruning group one two or three usually
0: says this variety falls into
1: the pruning group B classification. Oh, C. Okay, so that's probably three. B. Okay. Yeah. C? No, B as in butterfly. B. B as in butterfly. Okay, so if... if, Okay, some companies go one, two, three, and some companies go A, B, C. So generally, if you're in the B group or two group, that is the type of clematis that will grow off of old and new wood. Oh, Yeah, so... Generally here, I find that those guys do uh, better when you have a little bit of a light pruning on it. But because you have a one-year plant that's in there, I'm going to tell you maybe not to prune this year. Wait and see what it does next year, okay? Okay. So should I put straw at the base or just just leave it? You can do straw at the base. Do apply it when it's cold, uh, when the ground is just starting to freeze up a little bit. Uh, in by layering and putting extra mulches right now a little bit too soon especially if we do get warmer temperatures it just delays the plants from shutting down a little bit faster because you're keeping okay. the warm the ground warmer faster I like to see things chill a little bit before we cover and then it's perfect okay, okay
0: so it's still not cold enough to cover
1: I don't think so, not quite yet. I think probably at the end of next week, we'll probably be, uh, my prediction is we're going to be good to go for covering up. Okay. 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 All my perennials then. Just wait till next week. Yep. Because you want that, I like to see a little bit of frost going in the ground because then it secures it that it's shut down completely. Mm -hmm. And then, because if we put something on there to keep things warm, the ground underneath is warm, and then all of a sudden, whoom, we get. You know, there's a little bit of a conflict in nature right. itself. Just give it a little bit of time. One more week, and then it's good. Excellent. Thank you so much, Carla. Really appreciate it. I love your show again. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, okay. Uh, you take. Okay. Care. And okay. You too. And enjoy that weekend out there. There are so many different pl- plants and so many different scenarios that you go. And sometimes there's experience. I speak from my experience. And sometimes there's different rules that could be broken and there's experiences that have worked for you in your garden. So that's one thing that is really terrific about gardening is that there's always that what if or this works for me because everyone has different yards, different microclimates, and different conditions in which include sun, shade, moisture retention, you know, Flow of water from your yard, drainage. These are all different areas of capacities that affect our yards. And there's only a few more weeks left. So uh, if there are some questions out there that you have, the lines are open 1 800 374 I've got a little stack of papers here that I want to go through. So if um, we have one from Sheila, and she writes to me and she says, I've moved to a new property and I have new garden boxes. They are beautiful. I filled the bottom with one-third of rotten logs, next one-third of old compost, and the top was with topsoil. Seemed perfect. I had a huge amount of green growth. Pepper plants were three feet tall, carrots and onion plants lay flat after six weeks. I watered every second or third day in the morning, and I have at least four inches of the top them off, so I I don't know what I was lacking. Any advice? Well... In some cases like this, uh, I am suspecting that it may have been uh, kindness with too much nutrient base. Sometimes that we find that if we're putting too much nutrient, high nitrogen items in our soils, it causes this lush jungle effect, but it does have a lacking effect on flowering, fruiting, and crop production. That's on there. So I think a combination of probably those things, Sheila, is may I suggest that if your garden boxes, if you can take out half of your mixture and mix it with just a, uh, garden soil that's in there, not too rich with some manures or some other uh, additives that's to it, and maybe split and divide and share some of that rich nutrient based soil mix that you have that's in there into the other ones. Now, um, The other thing that I would probably say, are the garden boxes on the ground or are they garden pot boxes? Sometimes if we're making garden boxes on the ground, I've known some people to put uh, aggregates or stone on the bottom that's in there. So just remember, if you're creating garden boxes on the ground, um, if you're wanting to create drainage, do not use uh, limestone. Limestone does not affect your growth. That's not in your case though, uh, Sheila, because you had that lush greenery that's on there that's just a little bit of a tip okay so i hope you're listening today and i hope you helped you out that with that okay we're going to go right back to lines david is next good morning david
3: hi good morning carla enjoying your show very much thank uh, you
1: quest-
3: the question i have is i left my amarellas thoughts uh, out for the summer to kind of get used to this to the weather and and, uh, but then the the leaves, there were still no leaves on them, and we had the first frost, and I forgot to bring them in, and out of the frost is...
1: Oh. Uh, Hello? Oh. Oh, uh, sorry. there you are.
3: Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny. The frost has bolted the leaves on my bulbs, uh, and, uh, I'm wondering if the bulbs will still be okay to plant for the winter.
1: Okay, so, um, sorry, your phone was breaking up, so I'm just going to reiterate back because I think yeah. the connection's poor, is that you had your amaryllis outdoors and they had leaves on them? Yeah. Okay, so they have just recently been touched by frost and have now gone into their dormant state? Right. Okay. Um, when they enter a dormant state, they need a time frame of months to reset for the blossom. So generally, when they go into a sort of a shutdown mode, and then they re-energize and have a um reblooming. So I think your amaryllis may have a broken pattern. So I suspect you may not have a blossom, possibly for a while on those.
3: Oh okay
1: because okay. generally they need to go in a little bit of a shutdown uh, it's like tulips and daffodils they need to go back into the bulbs and into a dormant state for a resting period and then they're re-energized to grow and bulb out again okay
3: so I, I hate to leaves, be: th- their leaves wilting and freezing down like that will it hurt the bulbs or will it just will that be a kind of a shutdown for them
1: yeah, it will shut them down. That will be sh- it depends on I don't think we had a hard enough frost to kill the bulb because no. uh the insulation factor of it being in the soil was perfect. But those bulbs will probably not be viable for blooming for holiday season. This uh but you may get them in bloom for probably Easter. Okay. okay. So you might have some uh, some uh, adventures to go see if you can get a different color of amaryllis because they're just absolutely beautiful. And can I say, is it a red one or was it a variegated color tone one that you uh, had?
3: It was a variegated one. I've been on them for three years and I've collected seeds from them. So I have got a couple of varieties from the seed. So I was able to uh, um, transpose the pollens onto them and get a better color. Oh, Wow. Yeah, so that worked really well. And these were my adult plants, so I hope that they haven't uh, been hurt too badly. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah, well, the sugars and starches were affected a little bit slightly because um, generally it's like um, we we do a crops of caladiums here in the garden center, and when we know that they're not going to do as well through the winter. Period that's on it. So we add a, we actually cause them to go into a shutdown by decreasing the watering, we decrease the light levels, and we start chilling them so they automatically shut down. So that okay. our so then when we harvest our bulbs to lay them in a the cool area for the next year, they're massive, but they're the energy now has gone from the leaves back into um, sugars and starches for the bulb for the next year. So you may have skipped a little bit of that step of the growth that's on it, but it's still a viable bulb. So now you would enter it and store it for a few weeks before you're going to start that cycle again, okay?
3: Well, that sounds great. I'll do that and uh, we'll see how it progresses.
1: Okay, sounds good. And uh, um, you have a little bit of a horticulturalist in you with uh, changing the colors on there. That's cool to hear. All right, enjoy your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, David. That is pretty cool because a lot of times you go through, and that just brings to mind some of the conversation that we have with some people that actually end up uh, having coming in and saying, I bought a zucchini and I bought something else, and I don't know what I got, but it looks like a cross-pollination between the two of them. So it's kind of um, an adventure when you go into that to see what there is. You know, I know that uh, we're enjoying all the spaghetti squash that we've been having harvested and it stores wonderfully. That's a whole different conversation. We have to get some more people in here. Tina's next. Hello, Tina. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning.
0: I wonder how to get rid or what to do with all those little cherry trees that come up under
1: my big cherry tree. Oh, the suckers. You're talking about the suckers? Yes yeah you can prune them off uh if you get your second or your hand pruners that are out there. you can cut it off at the base at the ground level okay, yeah, they would do well um because a you'd it's for some trees, especially a cherry tree, you'd like to keep it as a as a tree form, not a bush form
2: okay, so all I do is just hold them off.
1: You can hold, uh, be careful with the hoe because you do not want to hit the main trunk and open up and cause scarring. So if you're a really good aim with your hoe, go ahead. <laughs> oh. But just be be cautious not to hit the trunk of, a tr- uh, the, trunk of the tree because sometimes there's always that point where if you open a wound, it's like getting a scab and there's a chance that infection or bugs can get inside, okay?
0: Okay. So All that's right. the only way... I can control them, just to cut them off at ground level.
1: Yeah, there is no way, because it could be the uh, not knowing if it's a cherry or if it's been grafted to another type of uh, cherry or prunus type of tree that you're getting the suckers coming from the bottom.
0: Yes, Yeah.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Thank you very much.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for listening, Tina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you know what? The suckers happen, and it seems like... Um it's once you start, you're going to continue and continue with that because that's just the regime for it. Unfortunately, sometimes we get the glory of the fruit and the the taste and the flowers. But yes, ah, it's a sucker. We'll live with it. It's the time of year also too. Remember, we are bringing in our tropical plants. So if you still have some uh, plants that are outdoors, yeah, I still see a couple that are out there. Some people say, do I bring them in? Yes, if you have the space, you bring them back in. And there is a regime, and I know that some people have been coming in, and I love telling you because if we see people coming in to uh, say, hey, what do I do? It's a question that is needed to be answered that's out there. So if it's a nice weather that's out there and you haven't put your hose away, remember, you're not supposed to put your hose away yet. You're supposed to water your trees and shrubs. as Give them a nice wash off and remember to wash the undersides of the leaves as well because that's where some of your bugs, yeah, we're gardeners, there are bugs out there, it happens, it's life. So you're going to give it a little bit of a blast off that's on there. And actually we had uh, some people in here from Altona uh, this week and it was quite a, a nice visit. They were asking me how to get rid of bugs in their pots. So there you go. So yes. If you have containers that have been on the deck and you lift them up, you may see that you have a little collection of sow bugs that have been underneath there because they go towards that um, that moisture, that humidity that's on there. So lifting them up, giving them that release where they're gone. So you're washing off the foliage on the top, the undersides of the leaves as well. But what do we do with the soil? Some people like to uh, transplant and put it into new soil. But if you don't get every little critter, if there is a critter in there, there is a product that you can put on the top of the soil, uh, lightly lift up your soil that's on it and add an application of Insectagon or diatomaceous earth in order for that to go through. This is a type of um, dusting that is a detriment to some of the plants or not, sorry, reverse that. It's not a detriment to a plant. It's a detriment to the bugs that are in there. So it does give it that break that's on it. So anyway, that's part of it. And what I want to say too is when we started off the show, we were kind of saying, what does your fall look like? Well, the fall that was looking like, and this is, is part of the closing that's in there, is when asked what your fall is, The the visitors from Altona had actually shown me a picture and said, would you like to see what's happening in our yard? And I said, yeah. Well, can you be amazed? We've talked about the geese. We've talked about the squirrels. And they were so nice to show me a picture of a moose running through their fields. I could not believe it. A moose in Altona? I don't know. It's fall. Maybe he's doing a little bit of a visit. Maybe he's doing a little bit of a shake. So... What does our fall look like? Our fall is a collection of color. It's a beauty of looking at the trees, yes, without their glorious leaves in a naked state. There is something that's there. It blends it with the pumpkins and with everything else that's there. So it's been a wonderful show. I thank you for listening. There's only a couple weeks left. So mark it down, one 800 374 We'll see you next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.